With all that down, let's get into our main topics. And our first main topic today gets submitted to us by Nels V, who writes, Hello, John. I follow your Instagram, and I saw you post a picture of you watching WandaVision, but you never followed up and told us what you thought of it. You can't, you can't tease us like that, man. So, did you like it? Does it live up to the hype? Does it give us a reason to be excited for the other Disney Plus shows? We need to know. All right, man. Thanks a lot for sending that in. And yes, uh, Anne and I were able to sit down the other day and watch the first three episodes of WandaVision. Now, just so you guys know, WandaVision uh, obviously airs on Friday tomorrow or tonight at midnight, depending on where you live. And they are going to launch the show with the first two episodes. So they're going to launch it with the first two. Why they let us see the first three, I'm not sure, but I'm glad they did. But we watched the first two episodes, and of course, we watched the third one as well. They're going to launch with the first two. So listen, Anne and I are going to do a spoiler review uh, every week of WandaVision, just like we did with Mandalorian. So I'm not going to go into any spoilers here. I'm just going to give you my general impressions of uh, what WandaVision is, how it turned out. Uh, and b- before we get into that, listen, the response has been fantastic. A lot of people are really, really liking this. Obviously, the ratings for it uh, over on Rotten Tomatoes, they have 81 critic reviews in already. It's sitting at 95%. So that's there. Uh, so everybody seems to be liking it. Here's my thoughts on it, okay? Here are my thoughts of WandaVision. It is, without a doubt the most unique thing that Marvel has ever done under the guidance of Kevin Feige. Now, we all kind of guessed that WandaVision was going to be different. We could tell from the trailers. The trailers all looked a little strange and weird, in a good way, but very strange and weird. So we knew to expect something a little bit different. I was not prepared for truly how different this show is. I mean, look, we talked about this before. Somebody brought up on the show the other day and asked, you know, how much do you think they're going to lean into the sitcom nature of it? And I said, you know what? I actually don't think they're going to lean into the sitcom part of it too much. I think that's just going to be part of the context, but I really don't think it's going to be that big of a part of the show. I can tell you I was wrong. (laughs) They very, very much lean into the sitcom aspect of this show. And all three shows, all three episodes I watched go to a different era of sitcoms and it moves gradually forward in time. So episode one is like the earliest days, like honeymooners kind of sitcom, right? And then you get into maybe the 50s or 60s. And then you get into episode three and you're into the 70s and things like that. And it really does lean very, very heavily into it. And I'm going to tell you, me and Anne had two different responses to it. Because about 15 minutes into episode one, I'm like, well, this is cute. And I was just waiting for it to get to the good stuff. I'm like, this is cute. But sitting beside me, my wife, Anne, she was ear to ear grinning and laughing hilariously. And she was like watching. It was like I was watching my wife watching her favorite thing she's ever seen on TV. I mean, it really, really clicked for her. And I thought it was good. Like I thought, yeah, this whole, you know, um, sitcom thing going through the different eras, the black and white thing of it. it, This is charming. This is, this is nice. This is entertaining and it's charming and it's nice. 
with little hints. They show this in the trailer, little hints that something's not quite right, right? They show that in the trailer that they're in this idyllic kind of sitcom world, but they start picking up on something's wrong. What, What is it? Something's wrong, right? But they really do mainly focus on the sitcom aspect of it. And it's charming and nice. And I liked it. But I will also say I didn't love it at first. I was just kind of waiting for them to get more into that other stuff they showed in the trailer. The what's wrong part, right? But my wife had a completely different experience. She was eating every second of that up. And then as we move into episode two, which jumps forward a decade or two uh, in in sitcom uh, eras, it just maintained that. And Anne was just dying. And I was really tuning into it more and more and more. And then by the time you get to the end of episode three, um, that's when, again, I'm giving nothing away here. But by the time you get to the end of episode three, that's when they really start to introduce Things are definitely off in this world. Things are definitely wrong in this world. So listen, overall, again, I don't want to go into it too much. All I'm going to say is that I enjoyed it and freaking loved it, but it very much felt like act one of a movie, you know, movies, three act structure, act one, act two, act three. It very much felt like act one of a movie. And I feel like the end of episode three was getting ready to transition us into the main body of the show, transition us into act three. But it is, again, totally different from anything we've seen in the MCU before. And they have found a way to make it work. Now, for those of you who may not know much about uh, WandaVision at this point, this basically sums it up. After the events of Avengers Endgame, Wanda Maximoff and Vision are living the ideal suburban life in the town of Westview, trying to conceal their powers as they begin to enter new decades and encounter television tropes. The couple suspects that things are not as they seem. And this is actually a 100% uh, perfect, 100% perfect description of the show. And uh, it's really entertaining, really different. And here's the cool thing. I feel like them setting it this up is going to add to the impact and the drama of what comes in the next set of episodes. So yeah, it's fun. It's charming. It's different. It's everything they kind of said it would be and more. So I'm really looking forward to you guys seeing it and uh, getting your impressions of it. It's just, Again, I've said the word about 30 times. It is just so different. It's just so different. I, and I wasn't expecting it. Again, like I knew they were going to do the sitcom thing, but I thought I didn't think they were going to lean so heavy into it. And they do, and they do it to really good effect. And I cannot wait to see what you guys think about this. It comes out if you live in you know the West Coast, it comes out at midnight tonight. Otherwise, you guys are going to see it tomorrow. Tomorrow at 4 p.m. is when Ann and I are going to do our spoiler review of the first two episodes. We're going to save the third episode, obviously, until next week when the third episode airs. But anyway, guys, question is, where are your expectations right now for one division? Have you been hearing good things like I have? Are you expecting it to be great? Are you expecting it not to be? Or is the way I'm describing it sound like what you're expecting? Maybe it isn't. Jump down into the comments section below and let me know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, let's move into main topic number two, shall we? And our second main topic today gets sent into us by... James Bond's brother, who writes, Hello from across the pond. 
As I type this, the trailer for Cherry, that's the new Tom Holland film, is about to drop, directed by the Russo brothers, led by Holland, about war, the drug epidemic, and PTSD. I am so looking forward to this. Have you seen the trailer, and what did you think? All right, thanks a lot for sending that in. And yeah, I have watched the trailer for Cherry. Cherry is a movie that has looked really interesting. I mean, right from the moment we heard about it, and it is kind of exactly how you described it, right? What we heard about this months ago was Tom Holland plays a kid, joins the army, has traumatic experience, gets PTSD, comes back, gets hooked on drugs, and becomes a bank robber. It's like, okay, not a lot of laughs and giggles in that, but it, it actually sounds really heavy and really interesting. So now the trailer has dropped. The trailer is out. And what did I think about it? Well, I'll say this. I didn't love the trailer. I'll be honest. I, I didn't love the trailer. But it's a weird, it, it, it feels weird to say this, but I could tell from the trailer, even though I don't think the trailer was great, I could tell the movie is going to be great. Does that make sense? Does that make sense at all? I'm not sure I can explain that. Again, I thought the, the trailer was fine. I'm not saying it was a bad trailer. Not at all. It's, it's a fine trailer. But even though I didn't love it, I could tell from the trailer that I was going to love the movie. I don't know how to explain it uh, any more or any less than that. The one thing, though, that is clear is that this is going to be a showcase for Tom Holland. You know, he, he, we've already seen some great stuff from him this past year, but this is clearly going to be an absolute showcase for Tom Holland. And I'm hoping this is also going to be the showcase for the Russo brothers post MCU, because I love the Russo brothers. They're great. They have come into my studio several times. They're just fantastic guys. They did such a great job in the MCU. So I've really been cheering for them, but I have to admit that I have not really liked anything that they've produced or done since they've departed the MCU. I'm hoping this movie is going to change that. Now, one of the things that is absolutely true, I heard somebody kind of criticize the trailer a little bit saying, well, this, this trailer just doesn't look make this movie look like it's any fun. You know, somebody was in a, a, a chat discussion I was a part of said, this movie just doesn't look any fun. Well, it's like, well, yeah, it ain't supposed to be fun. But, I mean, different movies give us different experiences, right? Some are meant to be fun. Some are meant to be laugh-inducing. Some are meant to be scary. Some are meant to be thought-provoking. Some are meant to be terrifying or heavy, but... You know, not all of them are saying, yes, this movie does not look like any fun. I absolutely agree with that, but it still looks awesome. You know what other movie wasn't any fun? Schindler's List. Schindler's List wasn't any fun. No fun at all. But it's like one of the great movies of all the time, of all time. It's, it's seriously, I think it's one of the, I think it's in the top 30, top 35 all time films, greatest movies ever made. I really do. Absolutely no fun. This movie looks like no fun, completely, but I think it looks amazing. And what I love about this especially, yesterday on the show we were talking about how I love it when directors do things that are outside of their normal sandbox. You know, we talked about Ben Affleck is apparently going to be directing this YA novel movie adaptation. Doesn't sound like something Ben Affleck would direct, but I love that. I love directors who go outside of their regular sandbox and stretch themselves as storytellers and do different things. 
This is clearly something very, very different for the Russo brothers. Very different. It's not action, sci-fi, blow This is something very different. And I think it's really, really good that they're doing this. And special thanks to Sean's World, who just sent in a super chat badge in the live chat there. Thank you so much for that, Sean. I appreciate that. So did I think the trailer was great? No. But did the trailer make me think the movie was going to be awesome? Yes. Does it look any fun? No. But does it look incredible? Absolutely, it does. And, you know, if if Devil All the Time and if Tom Holland can follow up Devil All the Time with another, like, gangbuster, borderline, Oscar-nominated, worthy performance, uh, this could be a great year for him. Because he's still got Spider-Man coming out later this year. He's got Uncharted coming out later this year. He's got one that looks like it's going to be a complete disaster. What's the one he's doing with Daisy Ridley again? I keep forgetting the name of that one. I keep forgetting the name of the one he's doing with Daisy Ridley. Do you guys in the live chat remember that one? Uh, we're, uh, Chaos Walking. Thank you, Maxi S. and Omar and Kenneth Gold. Chaos Walking. Yeah, that one looks like a disaster. But that one aside, if this movie is great, and if Spider-Man is great, and we've no reason to expect that Spider-Man isn't great, and then if they can pull off a really good one with Uncharted, which is very difficult to do with video game movies, man, Holland is going to be on a roll. Like massive, massive role. You know, I've said for a long time, I believe Timothy Chalamet is the next Daniel Day-Lewis. And he's still really young. He's got a long way to go. We'll see how he turns out. But he is like the the crown prince of Hollywood right now. Like he's he's the future king of Hollywood, I believe. Like he's like the just the most, I've never seen a kid that age that talented in this business. And I've been watching movies for a long time. But I'll tell you what, if Tom Holland can like shoot off a string of these really diverse movies giving excellent performances, we could have something to talk about. Anyway, guys, that's uh, that's my thoughts on that. Question is, did you have a chance to see the Cherry trailer? If so, what did you think? Did you think it was a fantastic trailer? Do you think it was okay? Maybe you didn't like it at all. What are your expectations for the movie? What are your expectations for Tom Holland right now? Jump on down to the comments section below. And let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move into our third and final main topic today. And our third and final main topic today gets submitted to us by Cam. And Cam writes, Hey, John. So you know how ever since Endgame came out, you said you'd be willing to bet on Robert Downey Jr. or Chris Evans returning to the MCU. And I said Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans, by the way, uh, returning to the MCU. Well, it seems you were right. Deadline is reporting that the Chris that Chris Evans is nearing a deal to join a future Marvel project. So what could this be? A Disney Plus show about Cap returning to the returning the Infinity Stones, a movie about old man Steve kicking ass. But another question is, is this a good idea after he finally got his dance with Peggy? All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in. And this is obviously the news of the day. This is the news of the day. And I certainly think maybe the best news I've heard, I don't know, since Disney did its um, shareholders meeting announcements where they announced all the Star Wars and Marvel projects and FX projects. That was a good day. That was a good day. And uh, thanks to S-Beam for sending in a super chat badge in the live chat, man. Appreciate that. You guys know, especially the last like two years or so, I never guarantee anything. Anything can happen, right? 
I think there are things that are very probable and very unlikely, but you never say never. The one thing that I have guaranteed in the last couple of years is, especially after Endgame, the one thing that I have guaranteed is Robert Downey Jr. will be back and Chris Evans will be back in the MCU. Maybe not this year, maybe not in two years, hell, maybe not even in three years, but they will be back. You watch, they will be back. It's the one thing I've guaranteed. Well, guess what? Part one has happened. Chris Evans is being reported by deadline is indeed coming back. Let's jump on over and take a look and see what they say about it. Uh, This, of course, is coming from Deadline. Sources tell Deadline that Chris Evans is cleaning the dust off his Captain America attire as he expects, as he is expected to reprise the role in the MCU in some form. Still vague if the deal is completely closed, but insiders say it's headed in that direction for Evans to return as Steve Rogers, a.k.a. Captain America, in at least one Marvel property with the door open for a second film. Sources add it's unlikely to be a new Captain America installment and more likely to be what Robert Downey Jr. did after Iron Man 3, appearing in films like Captain America Civil War and Spider-Man Homecoming. That, of course, comes to us from Deadline. All right. Let's dive into this a little bit. And special thanks to uh, Adam Muhammad, who sent in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um, This is a no brainer. This was, as Thanos would say, this was inevitable. Chris Evans was always going to come back. And I'll just throw this out there now so we don't have to say it again later. Robert Downey Jr. is coming back too. Make no mistake. He's going to be back. Again, maybe not this year, maybe not in two years, maybe not in three, but Robert Downey Jr. will be back as well. But let's focus right now on this incredible news of Chris Evans coming back. Interesting that they point out in this article that it's not likely to be like a Captain America 4. That's not terribly surprising. That's not terribly surprising because... By having him take on the role that Robert Downey Jr. had for a number of years where he was Iron Man, but we didn't get an Iron Man 4. He would pop up in Avengers films. He'd pop up in Captain America uh, Civil War. He would pop up in Spider-Man, the Spider-Man movie. That made sense because it lessened his commitment and it kept him around. And uh, Dean Dillon sends in a super chat in the live live chat uh, stream there. Thank you so much for that, Dean Dillon. Appreciate that. Um, So... It allowed them to use Robert Downey Jr. a lot more. He could be in Spider-Man and not have a heavy commitment to it. Probably only shot about two weeks for that. The other thing that makes this a no-brainer is simply this. Captain America is the face and the beating heart of the MCU. It's just that simple. Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, you may be able to make an argument might be the big draw and certainly maybe the most entertaining element of the MCU. Uh, I think there's a good argument to be made for that. But when it comes to the face of the MCU, the, the person, the character that embodies the MCU, when you're talking about a character that represents the highest ideals, but also the greatest excitement and action in the MCU, if you had to say that was one character, it's Captain America. Even within 
the movies themselves. Captain America seems to be the one guy they all revere the most. And it's not just Ant-Man. It's not just Ant-Man. You know, because obviously in Ant-Man and in Civil War, it's like, oh my God, you're Captain America. I mean, you're cool too, but he's Captain America. I mean, you just get that sense from everybody. This is Steve Rogers, man. This is Captain America. And that's important. And listen, a number of months ago, and, and by the way, Chris Hamilton sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thanks, Chris. Um, what's I pointed out in a video I made, uh, Thoughts on Walks I made a few months ago. Some of you may remember it. I did a Thoughts on Walks talking about the challenges facing the MCU right now. And one of those challenges was you just lost the two main faces of the MCU. Because yes, there are many characters, many great characters like Thor and Black Widow and many, many others, Doctor Strange and Spider-Man's there now. Yes, but I don't think you're going to find anybody who would argue that the two main faces were Captain America and Iron Man. They were Captain Steve Rogers and Tony Stark. They were Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. And now they're missing. And I said in that video, they'll be back, but for now they're facing this bit of a challenge. He becomes that North Star, if that's a good... I don't want to overly romanticize it, but Captain America is the moral North Star of the entire MCU. And to have his presence there, the value of that is incalculable. Like, it's, it's off the charts. You cannot fully grasp the relevance and the importance of that and how much influence that will have in the overall thing. It's vital. And so, of course, he's back. Now, the big question becomes, or at least one of the big questions becomes, and Ronnie Hawthorne sends in a Super Chat badge in the live chats. Thanks, Ronnie. Um, one of the vital things, questions that's going to be now hanging in the air is, well, the, how are they going to do it? That's great. He's coming back. Wonderful. But how exactly are you going to pull it off? What's the mechanism? Now, it should be said that deadline is saying that they're hearing it's probably not going to be a standalone Captain America movie. Okay. Um, that means to me there's still a possibility of that, right? However rare. But I agree with deadline. It doesn't sound, it wouldn't make sense to bring him back and do like a Captain America 4 or something like that. It seems to make sense. But deadline didn't say an epic dub time sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thanks, epic. Um, they specifically were saying it doesn't look like it's going to be that. So I suppose that means the possibility is still open that there's going to be like a Captain America 4. I'm guessing they're right about that, and I'm going to guess that that's not the case, but we got to keep in mind it is still a possibility. There is a possibility for a Captain America 4. So then if it is going to be him playing important roles in other movies and in larger scale MCU movies, where can we see him? Well, there's a couple of options here. A lot of people are suggesting it could be Falcon and Winter Soldier. A lot of people think it could be Falcon and Winter Soldier. And in many ways, you could totally, you could sort of understand that. You could totally see why somebody would think that maybe there's a possibility it could be Falcon and Winter Soldier. After all, these are the two characters most closely connected with Captain America. Hell, he passed his shield onto one of them, and the other one is his lifelong best friend. So that makes sense. The problem, though, with the theory 
that it could be Falcon and Winter Soldier, of course, is the fact that Falcon and Winter Soldier is already shot. That that series is done shooting. You know, having Chris Evans now in negotiations to appear in something that is already wrapped doesn't make any sense. It also doesn't really make any sense to have to negotiate a contract with Chris Evans to appear as Captain America to have him pop up in a just in some quick little one shot cameo thing that you could shoot around in Falcon and Winter Soldier. So Falcon and Winter Soldier is a possibility, but I think it's very, very unlikely. I mean, somebody just pointed out Craig Stratton in the live chat points out a very valid point. I mean, maybe it's Falcon and Winter Soldier season two, possibly. We don't know that there's going to be a season two of that, but that could be a possibility as well. So that's one of the options, but I'm guessing it's not that. Another option that we would have to look at is probably um, Doctor Strange 2. Doctor Strange 2 is one that is like ramping up, if not already, just recently began shooting. Again, if they haven't already begun shooting, I think they're just ramping up to uh, to start shooting now. So that could be, and if they are, then that kind of lines up a little bit with the idea of them maybe having it be Doctor Strange 2, right? We've got the one part of that overall story with Wanda Maximoff and WandaVision starting. We're going to get the second part of that story with Spider-Man 3, and then that whole story is going to cap off with Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. So maybe it's that one. The one reason why I don't really see it being Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is honestly this. If there's any one thing, if there's any property in the MCU that Captain America doesn't really um, fit into, like you could fit Captain America into a Spider-Man movie. You could fit Captain America into a Black Panther movie. You could fit Captain America into a lot of things. There's a lot of things you could fit Captain America into. The one thing that you would have a little bit of a hard time fitting him into, in my opinion, is probably would be the stuff with the wizards, with Scarlet Witch and Doctor Strange. So Doctor Strange 2 is a possibility. I just think it's a little bit unlikely. Another option on the table that some people are mentioning is Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok, that one's done. Thor Love and Thunder. Thor Love and Thunder. That's one. I mean, honestly, like we already know there's great on-screen dynamic between Chris Ems, uh, Chris Hemsworth and uh, Chris Evans. The funniest interview I have ever done in my life, many of you guys have seen it, was me sitting down in a room with Chris Evans and Chris Hemsworth. It's the funniest damn interview I've ever done in my life. I've never had more fun. I've never laughed harder um, in an interview ever. Uh, than sitting down with those two. So those two have incredible chemistry together. It's going to be stacked. Uh, and Lee Sandoval and Carissa both send in super chat badges in the live chat. Thank you so much, uh, Sandoval and Carissa. I really appreciate that. Um, and I love the little, I love the thing in the live chat you sent in there, Carissa. That's adorable. Okay. So, and it's being directed by Taika Waititi. So why wouldn't Chris Evans want to come back and be directed by, by Taika Waititi? Plus, it's already a really impressive cast. We, we've got the other Chris is going to be in there. Chris Pratt's going to be there. We got Christian uh, Bale is going to be in there. Um, it, this this cast is stacked. This could be really a, a really big, impressive thing. Thor Love and Thunder could maybe kind of be the next Captain America Civil War. 
Maybe, perhaps. Not saying it will for sure, but it's a possibility. So there's that one. I think this one is the, the highest possibility. The one argument against it being Thor Love and Thunder is that Taika Waititi has known his story for Thor Love and Thunder for a long time now. So, you know, why would they only be talking to Chris Evans now about coming back as Captain America? That's a, it's a valid observation. It's a valid observation. I still think that one is most likely. There's another one. Is uh, Stefano sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thanks, Stefanos. There's another one, of course, that some people are talking about, which is maybe Black Panther 2. You know, they recently had to go back and, you know, re- rewrite Black Panther because Ryan Coogler, director of the first Black Panther, um, he was writing and creating Black Panther 2, obviously with T'Challa, and Chadwick Boseman in mind. They've had to go back to rewrite that. They need something to have a big hook and appeal to that since Chadwick Boseman's not going to be there. Maybe on top of whoever is going to be taking over the Black Panther mantle, you also bring in another big hero to kind of give credibility to this new Black Panther. And what MCU character gives more credibility than Captain America? Not to mention Captain America and T'Challa had a very good relationship. They respected each other. They fought together. They fought against each other. But if you want, because think of it this way and and follow me here. Look at Spider-Man Homecoming, right? This was a new Spider-Man. It was a, a, the third time they were reviving and rebooting Spider-Man and the character in only a short number of years. It was the first appearance. I mean, not the first appearance, but it's going to be their first standalone movie in there. So what did they do? Let's get an established MCU character that carries a lot of credibility, Tony Stark, and let's put him in that movie with him to help kind of carry it a bit. And the effect was fantastic. Theoretically speaking, maybe they could do the same thing with a Black Panther too. They're going to have a new Black Panther, a new character filling that role of the mantle of Black Panther. And uh, uh, John uh, Cody John Walker sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. So thanks, Cody. So... If you're going to have this brand new character taking over this mantle, what other MCU character gives you a bigger bump than having Captain America in there with you? So uh, a Black Panther 2 could obviously be another one as well. Again, Captain America, other than with wizards, Captain America fits just about anywhere. But these are the ones that I, so I think my number one most likely spot, and this is no insider information. This is just me guessing, wildly guessing. But my number one guess is that it's going to be Thor, Love and Thunder. My number two guess would be uh, Black Panther, Black Panther 2. And my number three guess would be something completely different, something completely different. And uh, Jake sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thanks, Jake. Um, My third choice would be something completely different that we haven't heard about or thought about. I mean, hell, who knows? Maybe he's going to show up in the She-Hulk show. Maybe he's going to be in Moon Knight. Maybe he's going to be in Miss, uh, you know, Miss Marvel. Okay, there's one I hadn't thought about. Let's take a second and think about that. Miss Marvel might be a logical choice. Let me just uh, see if I can pull something up here. Um, Miss Marvel could be a great choice because there's a lot of similarities to the Spider-Man thing, right? It's a younger character following in the footsteps and Miss Marvel's coming up 
soon. Following in the uh, footsteps of another bigger hero and, you know, finding her footing, she's young and all that kind of stuff. And just like Peter needed a little bit of a mentor figure um, in Spider-Man Homecoming in, in Tony Stark, maybe she needs that. I mean, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, there could there could be some logic to that. I don't know. So, you know, I'm thinking it's probably going to be a movie, not a Disney Plus show. I'm thinking it's most likely going to be a movie. But at the same time, if Kevin Feige wants to bring some of that credibility to Dis- the Disney Plus shows, what gives more credibility than... Listen, nothing in the MCU gives more credibility than Cap showing up and Chris Evans playing Cap. So anyway, I think this is awesome. I think this is just incredible. I also think it's a no-brainer. We all knew that Chris Evans was coming back. I didn't know it was going to be this soon. Mm. And I should point out, that's kind of the one criticism I'm hearing from some people. The one criticism I'm hearing from some people um, is that it's too soon, some of them will say. Some people are saying it's too soon to have Captain America back, but um, you've got to you've got to understand that just because they're saying this is happening doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen in the next two years, the next three years. By the time we see Chris Evans back on the screen again, maybe it'll be three years from now. Now, here's the thing: uh, I, I noticed this just a few minutes ago. But Chris Evans, uh, let me see if I can bring it up myself because I just, it was about five or 10 minutes ago I saw this. Um, Chris Evans right now is saying on Twitter that this is news to me. He's putting out news to me. Yeah, I don't buy that. Remember, remember. Uh, let me let me bring this up with him uh, saying that. So Chris Evans right now is saying this is news to me. Okay, that's fine. But remember, when the news got out that they had cast, what's her name? The Canadian actress, Tatiana. When the news came out that they had cast her as a She-Hulk, news came out that she had denied it. Like she had denied it to a certain report and Carl D. Reed uh, sends out a super chat in the live chat. Thank you so much, Carl. Remember, she put out a thing saying, oh no, I hadn't, no, I, I, I just heard about that. Yeah, I, I don't know what they're talking about. And then she was there. Listen, this is Deadline. This isn't Carl's gas station movie reviews dot fart. This is Deadline that's writing this. And they say they have multiple things. I've said this is pretty much a done deal. So I appreciate that Chris Evans is saying news to me. But that's all that means is that right now, Disney did not want this news coming out. What that means right now is that Disney and Marvel did not want this news coming out right now. Uh, Deadline obviously has some of the best sources in all the business. And if they're saying that they have multiple sources that have confirmed this, I'm willing to take that to the bank. But again, remember, getting back to the one criticism I've heard from some people say, and it's fair enough to say it's a little bit too early. Remember again, we're not about to see Chris Evans' Captain America pop up on WandaVision. We're not about to see him pop up on Falcon and Winter Soldier. It's not like by the time we see him on screen, it'll probably be two and a half to three years minimum since we saw him on screen as Captain America last in Endgame. 
So I wouldn't worry about that part right now. Other people in the live chat throwing in other possibilities. Fantastic Four, maybe Deadpool. Uh, I mean, all these things are possibilities. These are all big possibilities. It's going to be interesting to see how they go. The big news, though, is Deadline is reporting. Chris Evans is back. I completely uh, believe them. I think it's right. Again, let's just take a look one more time at what it was specifically that Deadline wrote. Sources tell Deadline, plural, that Chris Evans is cleaning the dust off his Captain America attire as he expected to reprise the role in the MCU in some form. Still vague if the deal is a com- is completely closed, but insiders say it is headed in that direction for Evans to return as Steve Rogers, a.k.a. Captain America, in at least one Marvel property with the door open for a second film. These, this is some pretty, like, this. these are details. This is very detailed things they're giving us here. For a second film, sources add it's unlikely to be a new Captain America installment and more likely to be what Robert Downey Jr. did after Iron Man 3 appearing in films like Captain America Civil War and Spider-Man Homecoming. So while I love Chris Evans and I completely appreciate uh, I completely appreciate him coming out and saying, hey, news to me, that's great. I, I appreciate him saying this is news to me and all that kind of stuff. But again, all that says to me, and Chris Hunt sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thanks for that, Chris. All that tells me, again, I mentioned before, I will say it again. The only thing that that really tells me is that both Chris Evans and Marvel were simply not yet ready for this news to come out. I don't think this was news that was supposed to come out quite yet. And therefore, we got Chris saying that. Uh, one of my, I mean, I, I gotta say a couple of my favorite interviews that I've ever done of this. Actually, I love this picture. This is a very special picture to me. Um, this was, and Sean's world sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thanks, Sean. Um, this was at the very first public screening of Captain America, the first Avenger. This was at San Diego comic-con. They booked a theater just a little bit away from downtown San Diego to have the first public screening of Captain America, the first Avenger. And I got to be the very first person to interview Chris Evans immediately after the screening. And he was great. And it was fun. We geeked out a bit, just talking about um, his other movie he did with Idris Elba called the losers. I love that movie. And he and I just kind of geeked out about the losers for a bit. Anyway, that's that's my thoughts on that, guys. This is incredible news. It's also inevitable news. We knew he was going to be back. Count on it. You know, now the question becomes, what's it going to be? How long do we have to wait until we see him? Guys, question is for you. What do you think about this whole thing? Do you think it's too soon for him to come back? Again, I, I'm telling you, it's going to be a couple years before we see whatever he's going to do on the screen anyway. So I wouldn't worry about that. Do you think this is a good move? Do you think him coming back undermines that beautiful send-off he had, getting that dance with Peggy and having his life with Peggy? To me, it's the MCU. Nothing's forever. What do you guys think? Jump down into the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, I'm sure there are many questions and topics to discuss, so let's jump over and start taking your live comments and questions, shall we? And we've got a little bit to get caught up on because, again, of the streaming problems we've had for the last few days, so we're going to try to get through as many as we can today. I'm hoping we're going to get through all of them. Let's see if we actually can. We're going to start things off here with uh, Cassian, who writes, I was thinking about the Acolyte, the upcoming Star Wars series that they announced. 
Was Exegol around in the High Republic? I think Exegol has probably been around for thousands of years. Uh, I feel like that would be a great setting and could further our understanding of how Palpatine returned in Episode Nine. I don't think they're going to tie those things in together at all. Uh, is it confirmed that it will be about the beginning of the Sith? No, it is definitely not about the beginning of the Sith. Um, it is because this happens... Uh, Kathy Kennedy said this take place in the High Republic era, near the waning days of the High Republic. The Sith have been around for millennia, so long before that. This is about one dark force user. And by the way, they never even specifically said it was about Sith. They said it's about dark side users, right? There are, we know in Star Wars, there are other dark side users besides Sith. Maybe it is a Sith acolyte. We don't know. We'll have to find out, but no, it will not be about the beginning of the Sith. Maybe it takes place in Exegol. I don't see anything to suggest that, that it would be, but that is a possibility because Exegol was around by that time. All right. Thanks for sending that in Cassian. Next up. Yaz writes, super excited for WandaVision. I I'm really excited for people to watch this. Cause again, it's just so bonkersly different than anything the MCU has done before. Uh, but also nervous. It's been 18 months since we've had any MCU content and they've started phase four with possibly the biggest swing they've ever taken. Hope it starts off with a bang. This might not be a good time for a slow burn. Well, I listen, you guys know what I think about the MCU and their phases. They mean nothing. Phase one, phase two, phase three, phase four. They mean nothing. They're just arbitrary numbers that kind of help us organize in our heads the different eras of the MCU that we've been through. But really, at the end of the day, it doesn't really mean anything. So starting off this phase, it's irrelevant. To me, this isn't the start of phase four. To me, this is just the next MCU thing to come out. You know what I mean? I, I, when I sat down to watch WandaVision the other day, it, it wasn't. I wasn't thinking, okay, here we go. We're starting phase four of the MCU. I was just thinking, cool, some new MCU content. Finally, I've been waiting some, for some new MCU or DC content for a while here. Let's go. And anyway, uh, I've had to wait longer for MCU content because we had Doom Patrol, which is awesome, by the way. Um, so yeah, uh, there's that. All right. Uh, thanks a lot for that, Yaz. All right. Next up, uh, Need Superman Movie Rights. Uh, bad. Wonder Woman 84 to Patty is kind of like uh, Richard Donner to Superman film. So I'm, I went back to watch 2006 Superman Return. Damn, I actually like the movie a lot more than I remember. I was 15. How was Superman Returns for you? Will you watch it again? Yeah, Superman Returns is something that comes up. We, we bring up Superman Returns a lot because Superman Returns to me is actually... Like it's, I think here, here's how I describe Superman Returns. Okay. Superman Returns is a very good movie, but not a very good comic book movie. Does that make sense? To me, Superman Returns is a very good movie that is not a very good comic book movie. It's really, it's a character study. The whole movie is completely a character study about this God man who has the power of the gods, but simply doesn't even know how to just interact or to be human, how to really connect or touch on or um, be in touch with that human side that he has. 
And that is his constant struggle. And that's his constant battle. And this is, it's his one big failing that he never knows how to deal with. And on that level, as a character study of the God man, it's, it's amazing. It's really good. The problem with Superman returns is it is billed as a Superman movie and billed as an action packed comic book movie. And it's not very good as those like the big fight for Superman and Superman returns is lifting an airplane. That's his big fight. And so I think it's understandable that a lot of audiences went into Superman Returns with one certain expectation. uh, One certain expectation. And they got a movie that was very different than what they were kind of sold on. Very different than the movie they were kind of told they were going to get. And I think that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. So yeah, I kind of stand. And I think Brandon Routh was a wonderful Superman. I think Brandon Routh was a wonderful Superman. Henry Cavill's my favorite, but I think Brandon Routh was really good. So yeah, I kind of still stay by that. I thought Superman Returns was a very good movie. That just wasn't a very good comic book movie. I know that sounds weird to say, but that's my thought. And yes, I'll watch it again. I've watched it a few times. I'll definitely watch it again. Okay, next up. Brando writes, With Snyder appearing to be done with the DCEU, but a renewed partnership with Warner Brothers, uh, is his next move to come back and do Watchmen 2? No, I doubt that. Uh, With the success of the HBO show, uh, it's one of my favorite comic book movies, and and every year it seems to grow more into a cult status. Here's the problem with um, Watchmen. Watchmen lost money. The movie Watchmen, not the HBO series. The movie Watchmen lost a bunch of money. Uh, It didn't do well. Now, listen, I personally think Zack Snyder. Remember, for many years, people said Watchmen is an unfilmable comic book story. You can't make that. You can't make that. I think Zack Snyder did as good of a job making a Watchmen movie as I think you could have done, really. But the Watchmen HBO series was better. I think, and it's a completely different series, right? It approached the Watchmen material very differently than the way Zack Snyder did. So I don't think the popularity and the success of the Watchmen HBO series would in any way kind of, if anything, Warner Brothers is going to want to continue if they do it all. If they want to do more Watchmen, they're going to continue with the Watchmen HBO series, not with a Watchmen 2. You know what I mean? So that's kind of my take on that. All right. uh, Let's see. Next up. uh, Lobster Johnson writes, I'm shocked to hear that you haven't seen Doctor Who before. It's better than Star Wars. Them's fighting words, my friend. Uh, Take it from me, a person you have never met. It has been going since 1963, so you should know it's good or would have been uh, going for 68 years. Pop culture history. Well, yeah, but. Sesame Street's been going for a long time too, and I wouldn't say it's better than The Godfather. But that being said, um, I when I was a kid, I would watch some Doctor Who reruns, and I remember I mean the Daleks and everything. Exterminate! I remember like when I was a kid, I would watch that, but I've just never watched any of the like the last twenty years of Doctor Who. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm certainly not saying it's bad. I've just never seen it. I don't watch them. I've got some friends that are really into it, uh, actually. One of Anne's cousins, we, one of the, the big Filipino weddings I got to go to, uh, Anne's cousin and the girl he was marrying are major Doctor Who freaks because their wedding 
was a Doctor Who themed wedding. The the wedding gifts that were on the table, the wedding favors, whatever you call them on the table, were little Tardises. And they had like two or three full size Tardises around, and like they just they just and had different things representing the different Doctor Who's. It was a complete Doctor Who themed wedding. So I know my wife would like my wife's cousin would love it if I would get into it. Uh, maybe someday I'll check it out. Maybe someday I'll check it out. All right, next up, uh, Champagne Poppy fifty one writes. Sup, John? Uh, were you upset as much as I was that the live action adaptations of X Men totally nerfed Rogue? She's one of my favorite X-Men, and it's something that I always dislike that they did. Hope to run into you at a Kings Leafs game someday. Hashtag go Kings go. I do go whenever the Leafs are in town. By the way, my Toronto Maple Leafs started off the season well, beat the the dreaded, our arch rival, the Montreal Canadiens. So way to go, guys. Won 5-4 in overtime. Just putting that out. I bleed blue and white. Um, No. I'll be honest with you. I liked, at least in the first X-Men film, I really liked what they did with Rogue in the first X-Men movie. They just, they grounded it. Again, it wasn't the comics. The comics are not the movies and the movies are not the comics. I thought they made her the, like the cornerstone character of the entire movie. The whole main story kind of revolved around her in many ways. I thought they really played up the humanity, the struggle that the curse that mutant powers would be. I really, I really enjoyed it in the first film. The, the one character that I've always felt that those first few X-Men movies and those, the only reason, by the way, if you like the MCU or the DCU, you get on your hands and knees and thank the movie gods that those first two X-Men movies came out. Cause if it wasn't for the, all the producers acknowledge us, if it wasn't for those first two X-Men movies, we would not be living in the golden age of comic book movies right now. Just saying. But the one thing those first two X-Men movies did that never sat right with me was because you may not may not have liked the iteration of Rogue, but the character in the movies was a great, important, pivotal cornerstone character. Maybe you would have thought you'd like to have seen them done different things with her, but she was a very good character in the movie. The one thing they botched in the first two movies was the character of Cyclops, because not only was he nothing like he is in the comics, which is fine if you still make him a good, solid character in the movie, they didn't make him a good, solid character in the movie. They they made him this whiny little suck. Oh no, the hairish Canadian guy likes my girlfriend. Oh no. I mean, that's they turned Cyclops into this whiny little suck. And I'm fine that they don't make him like he is in the comics. I'm okay with that as long as you make him a good character. And they really, I love the first two X-Men movies, man, but they crapped all over Cyclops. Mm. They totally crapped all over him. But hey, is what it is. All right, thanks. Hopefully we get to go to a Kings Leafs game very soon, man. It would be great to be able to go out and do things again. Okay, Uh, Ryan Lona writes, My big worry with Loki is that I really hope they remember this is still Avengers period, pure villain Loki, rather than a post-redemption lovable scamp. But see, that's a miss. That's a misinterpretation of Loki. Even in Thor one, Loki was never a, how do you put it? A pure villain. Like this is one of the brilliant things about the first Thor directed by Kenneth Branagh was the complexity, of, because at the end of the day, 
pure villain Loki would have been out to kill his father and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, you realized that Thor is a movie about fathers and sons and this one lost son, Loki, who all he wanted was the validation of his father. That's all he wanted. Like, yeah, he's screwed up and he's got all this kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, he was never going to let one finger of an ice giant lay on his, even though his father was his adopted father. But still, there was no chance Loki was going to let a frost giant lay one finger on Odin. He just set it all up to try to look good in front of his dad. And, and that ultimately was it. Deep down, that's all he wanted. He wanted the affirmation of his father. There was never a time where Loki was just a pure villain. That's one of the brilliant things about Loki. Maybe that's the brilliant thing about Loki. He's a lost son who went in wrong directions, made bad decisions, but he was never a pure villain. And again, that's just one of the things about Loki that, um, that's one of the things about Loki that just really appeals to me. Uh, but anyway, that's me. Okay, next up. Logan Warner writes, uh, tips in $20. Thank you for that, Logan. Appreciate you supporting the channel on that level, man. Uh, hi, John. First time asking a question. Well, I'm glad that you're here. Uh, I've looked into, I've looked to your opinion since the lead up to episode seven. I've always felt that, uh, that Bible stories were ripe for good films. Are there any good Bible films today? Any movie recommendations? Uh, film noob here. Thanks. Well, honestly, the one that's, um, the one that isn't bad, the one that isn't bad is actually the Russell Crowe. I think it's the Russell Crowe, uh, Noah film. Hold on. Let me just, let me just, I can't remember the name of it now. Uh, let me see if I can bring it up here. Russell Crowe, who is, I should remember cause he's like my favorite actor. Uh, see, there's the mummy, nice guys, water, yeah, Noah. The, you know what? Honestly, the Noah movie wasn't bad. It it didn't get you know a ton of critic love or anything like that. But I honestly thought the the movie wasn't bad. Jennifer Connelly, Ray Winstone, uh, Emma Watson, Logan Lerman. I really like Logan Lerman. Nick Nolte, um, Kevin Durant. I like Kevin Durant. Um, that one's not bad. Other than that, I pretty much hate most Bible movies. Um, and the place, the funny thing is the place where I really developed my hatred for Bible movies or faith-based based movies, ironically enough was seminary. <laughs> it's, it was in, it was in Bible college and seminary that I is where I really learned to really hate Bible movies and uh, most faith-based movies. There are a couple minor exceptions. I mean, like Ben Hur is, is in many ways is a faith faith a faith-based movie and it's it's amazing the original one um and again noah's not so bad but yeah even as a theologian i never i never liked the movies they made i never liked the movies they made that's just me all right thanks all. but yeah i would i would if you've never done so i would check out noah i actually think it's pretty good I think that Russell Crowe movie is pretty good. So that might be one you might want to check out, Logan. Anyway, thanks for being here. We're glad to have you part of our community. Thanks for sending in the question, man. All right. Oh, by the way, some uh, comic comic quirks with Jimmy in the live chat just gave another really good one, actually. It's animated, but it's really good. Uh, Prince of Egypt uh, with Val Kilmer and Danny Glover. That's a, actually Prince of Egypt 
is really good. I like Prince of Egypt a lot, and the music in it is really good. There's this one song that the Danny Glover character sings that I actually love. It's called uh, Look at Your Life Through Heaven's Eyes. It's actually a really, really good song. So, yes, thank you in the live chat for that. Prince of Egypt, that's another good one to check out if you haven't seen that, Logan. All right, next up. Um, A Train A writes, I'm not saying Luke isn't special to us OG fans because, of course, he is. I'm talking about in the Star Wars universe. Like, why would Yoda and Obi-Wan call Luke their last hope when they were way uh, when they were way more stronger and experienced Jedi, when there were way more experienced and stronger Jedi out there like Ahsoka, pre-Return of the Jedi Luke? So this, I believe, is a follow-up question, something that I think it was A-Train A sent in before asking, well, look, we always understood as Star Wars fans that once you get into the era of uh, A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi, there was only one Jedi out there. Luke, he was the last. I mean, after Obi-Wan died and after Yoda died, there was the last one. Luke Skywalker was the last hope. That was it. It was Luke. He's the last. I mean, even Obi-Wan, before he before Luke kind of took up the lightsaber, Obi-Wan says, you know, that he was the last of his order. He's the last of his kind. Now, of course, ever since then, Star Wars has slowly but methodically completely changed that. First it was, no, there was this one other Jedi out there in hiding. And then there was this one other one. Now there's like, it's like the MCU and the DCEU, you know, where superheroes aren't special anymore because there's a thousand of them. Every 7-Eleven has five superheroes on the corner. And now it's basically like, oh no, there's like a thousand Jedi still out there. Whether it's Cal or Ahsoka or any, any of the other ones you want to come up with, there's actually tons out there. And A-Train brought up a point saying, doesn't this kind of lessen the specialness of Luke? Understanding that that whole time now, because of the way they've changed things, that Luke was never the last one. He was never the last hope. There were more experienced Jedi out there. Although I have a feeling both Obi-Wan and Yoda sensed how powerful Luke would be, the most powerful Jedi of all time. My argument was, um, and yes, I see some people in live chat, Ahsoka isn't a Jedi. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. John, there's this one cartoon where she says, I'm no Jedi. It doesn't matter. She's a Jedi. Even in Mandalorian, you know, uh, Mando says to her, a Mandalorian and a Jedi fighting side by side. She never corrected him. So yeah, you, you, all the semantics you want. She was she was a Padawan. She trained. She got knighted. She got knighted. Jedi knight. She's, she's a Jedi. I don't care that this one episode in the cartoon, she said to one character, I am no Jedi. Yeah, maybe she wasn't carrying her membership card anymore. That, you know, all the Jedi, they keep that little membership card. See, I'm a member in good standing of the Jedi. Maybe she's not a member of the Jedi Order, but she's a Jedi. I mean, semantics be damned. Um, uh, that being said, where were you here? Oh, yes. Is Luke still special? And I'd say that, yeah, the specialness of Luke can never be touched. Whether there were still some out there or not is kind of irrelevant. Even with other Jedi out there, Obi-Wan and Yoda recognize that even if there's an Ahsoka out there, even if there's a Cal out there, even if there are others out there, there's only one hope, and that's Luke Skywalker. If if anything, you might be able to make the argument that finding out now that they've rewritten history and said there were other Jedi out there 
You could make the argument that finding out there were other Jedi out there only makes the specialness of Luke even more preeminent, right? Because even with some others out there, Luke is the last hope. He's it. He's the one. So maybe there's that too, uh, A-Train. Maybe there's that too. Anyway, just something for us to keep in mind. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Next up. Uh, Macy J from Poland writes, or Massage from Poland. I'm sure I'm butchering the name. Forgive me for that. I'm the worst in the world. One of three. Uh, if, uh, if Kathy Kennedy fails again with High Republic, it's insane. Or Kathy Kennedy fail again with High Republic, it's insane. One of the High Republic writers, Jay Ireland, says, if you don't like my politic opinions, don't buy my books. I can work in Starbucks again. Another used lightsaber as a hook in comics and says it was a mistake. Um, uh, Pablo Hidalgo ridiculing Star Wars fan for motion. That's, that's bullshit. That whole thing was complete bullshit. Never come on my channel with that. That was bullshit. That, that was just so over, that was so blown out of proportion. It's comical. Anyway, um, uh, and it was because I was crying like a baby. Uh, this is beyond unprofessionals. Okay, look, I'll just touch on this quickly about this. Um, what the funny thing to me is with, first of all, high Republic is really good. I'm liking it so far. And, and there's a number of the, uh, Disney era star Wars books that I have not been a terribly big fan of. Um, I even stopped reading the star Wars novels for a while because I didn't think they're all that good, but the high Republic I'm about halfway through book one. And so far I really do like it. Uh, I really do like it. But anyway, that's not the best Star Wars novel I've read, but High Republic's pretty good. This whole Pablo Hidalgo thing has been blown way out of proportion. It really has. It really has. A bunch of people are acting like Pablo Hidalgo said, came out and like said, made some huge statement about, look at this guy, blah, blah. And he didn't. And the other thing that I found very, very funny, and I went and I found the posts online because, you know, things on the internet live forever for good or for bad. Things on the internet live forever. That's a blessing and a curse to all of us. Things on the internet live forever. But a lot of the people who were, and I'm not going to call anybody out, but a lot of the people who were leading this charge about Pablo Hidalgo, what he did was terrible, terrible, terrible. I went and found those same people who were mocking Remember that kid, Eric Butts? For those of you who've seen my trailer, my, my, my movie about movie trailers, we featured uh, Eric Butts in it. Eric Butts was famous for a few minutes because he made this trailer reaction to Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker trailer, and it had him in tears. Like he was bawling his eyes out watching it. It was beautiful. He, I mean, he, he, he loves the property and seeing the trailer for the first time, he was in tears. And some of these same people who are who clearly have an agenda, uh, like making a mountain out of a molehill with the Pablo Hidalgo thing. They were the exact same people who were blasting and mocking and ridiculing the Eric Butts kid uh, for crying, watching the thing. The hypocrisy is in, is insane. It's, it's insane. The only difference is because they don't like the last Je- the rise of Skywalker. By the way, I didn't like the rise of Skywalker either. I think it's terrible. The only difference is they didn't like the rise of Skywalker. So it's cool to make fun of a guy who did and cried over it. Whereas we like Mandalorian. And even though the only thing Pablo Hidalgo said was feelings aren't for sharing. Really? That's it. 
that the whole controversy was based on four or five words, but it was basically feelings are not for sharing five words. There we go. I can't count. I'm not, I didn't, I'm not, I didn't get my degree in mathematics folks. And they made a whole thing. Meanwhile, these same people who are making such a huge deal out of that, out of five words were the exact same people lighting up and humiliating this Eric Butts kid because he got emotional watching something else from Star Wars. So I never want to hear about that again. I never want to hear about that again. If you want to choose to be bothered by that, then you choose to be bothered by that. But to me, it was something that was way blown out of proportion, made to be something that it really wasn't. And by the way, the other thing too is, is that a lot of people forget this Pablo Hidalgo thing. He never posted that publicly. He never posted, somebody else saw him post it privately, screen captured it, and then took it out and shared it to the world. Whereas everybody's saying like Pablo Hidalgo was standing on some podium making fun of some kid, and he wasn't. And in case we were all too dumb to understand he wasn't, he came out and clarified, said, look, I am not making fun of him for being emotional. We should all get emotional. This is Star Wars. We should want to be emotional. But anyway, just some people want to be mad. Some people want to be mad. But anyway, uh, anyway, uh, let's get on to one. You had a third one there. Uh, Respect now, respect professionals as fans create HQ products. How Star Wars looks from Marvel's perspective. Anyway, no, I, I, again, I reject all that. Pablo Hidalgo said five words. Feelings are not for sharing or emotions are not for sharing. Whatever. It was five words and he posted them privately. Somebody took that. Somebody decided to make it mean something that he clearly, that he explicitly said was never meant as that, made it public, and then the same people who were mocking the Eric Butts kid for crying at the Rise of Skywalker trailer were now going after Pablo Hidalgo. So, I don't know. You can't write this. I mean, this is, this is like too strange for, for fiction. But it is what it is. Anyway, uh, next up, Michael Bochar writes, Hey, John, and possibly Rob, who is not here today on Thursdays. Uh, I was wondering, what are your thoughts on Rain Over Me? Uh, it's with Adam Sandler and Don Cheadle. It came out in about 2007, 2008. Also, what are your thoughts on Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? Thanks for the great content. Eternal, Eternal Sunshine is great. Um, I talk about Rain Over Me all the time. Um, Rain Over Me. That is the movie to me. For those, It's an Adam Sandler film. For those who've never seen it, it wasn't the very first thing that Adam Sandler did dramatically, but I, to this day, without hyperbole and without exaggeration, I thought Adam Sandler deserved an Academy Award nomination for his performance in Rain Over Me. And it's the movie to me that made me go, Adam Sandler should totally ditch comedy at this point. And he has got so much natural talent in dramatic acting. He has so much natural dramatic acting talent. He should totally put his focus on, on drama because he's so good. He is so good as I, I don't know how a guy is born with that much natural dramatic talent. Now, obviously Adam Sandler has been a performer his whole life. So that helps absolutely. But we all just know him as the comedy guy. He is such a good dramatic actor. And then, of course, we saw that in uh, Uncut Gems as well. But if you saw Adam Sandler in Uncut Gems and you thought he was great in that, and he is great in that, he's great in that, but that isn't his best performance. His best performance is in Rain Over Me. 
He should have gotten an Academy Award nomination for that. So if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend you go back and check that one out. Thanks for writing that in, Michael. All right, next up, we got Jesse who writes, I couldn't help but laugh during the talk about Bravia Core, hearing you talk about the internet speeds needed. Saying streamers recommend about... Um, recommend about 15 megabits megabits per second for HD uh, here where here in the Midwest, Indiana, I get a whopping 0.16 megabits per sec per second upload speed. Looks like I'm screwed. Well, upload speeds are relevant. You don't need to worry about it. You don't, you could have 0.0001 upload speed and that's fine. What really matters is your download speed. Now I, when I first moved to Burbank, true story, when I first moved to Burbank, the internet company couldn't get me internet service in my house for, a, 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 there was something wrong with it with the area. I was going to have to wait at least a week or more for them to bring internet into the house that we moved into. So what I did was I went to Sprint and I got one of those 4G uh, LTE Wi-Fi boxes that use, uses 4G LTE to give you internet coverage in your apartment. And you know what I got for download? Four megabits per second. I got four, sometimes five on a really good day six, but I got four to six megabytes per second download. And guess what? I was able to stream Netflix and HD, no problem. A lot of the streamers will stream, they recommend 15 to 25 megabit download for 4K content. This Bravia Core is a new technology from Sony where they are boasting now that their 4K streaming in Bravia Core is equal to the quality of a 4K Blu-ray disc because they stream not at 15 to 25 megabits per second, but at 80, that's 80, 80 megabits per second. Now, of course, there are some major caveats to that. Number one, you got to have a, Sovia, a Sony Bravia XR TV to be able to use it. Number two, there's very limited selection. Some very good movies, but still very limited selection. And number three, you have to have internet speeds that are at least, at least 80 megabit download. And not everybody has that. More and more people are getting that, but it's still a little bit out of reach. So it's not here yet, but if this works, it is going to open the door for a lot of people who are still like, well, I still prefer physical because, you know, 4K on disc has much higher bit rates and it looks better. If Sony can make this work and then platforms like Roku or Amazon TV or whatever, or Amazon Fire Stick, I should say, if they start incorporating this type of technology, it could change the game. We're still a little ways out, but, but, but we do need to get internet speeds up across the country for more people. Anyway, thanks for writing that in, Jesse. All right, next up, uh, Black Bono 76 writes, Hey, John, happy new year to you and Anne. Thank you so much, my friend. I have finally, uh, I have finally, finally got to see movie, movie trailers, a love story. That's my documentary. John, bravo, bravo, bravo. I uh, enjoyed it a lot. You did a great job. Everyone in the film was insightful. Thank you, John. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate that. And you know, it's, it was a passion project. Um, it's especially making it through a pandemic was challenging. Fortunately, we started before the pandemic kicked in, but we had to complete it during the pandemic. And, um, you know, I made it for my fellow film fans. Like all of us love movie trailers, but there's never really been anything about movie trailers. And so I've been 
honestly, like so gratified to see the reaction people are having to it. So thank you so much, Black Bono, for checking it out. I really appreciate it. And thank you so much for the kind words, man. Uh, and to everybody, go check it out. Go check out my movie, Movie Trailers, A Love Story. All right, thanks for that, man. Next up, the other brother, Daryl, writes, Hey, John and Rob, who's not here today. So we're getting an R-rated Deadpool in the MCU, no less. Sign me up. My dream pitch, buddy cop movie with Deadpool and Thor, the riotous wit and Ryan's uh, Deadpool and the dead, the deadpan fish out of water humor of Chris, Chris's Thor. Come on, that's certain comedy gold. I still don't know how they're going to do it. I still don't know how they're going to do it. And here's why. I don't think you can do a Deadpool Thor buddy thing because parents are going to get really upset. Like they, the parents take their kids to go see the Thor movies and now Thor is in a movie they can't take their kid to. So how they're going to do this is going to be very interesting to see. How they're going to work this out is, is I don't know what how they're going to undo this Rubik's Cube. Because listen, you and I may think, oh, who cares? I can see Thor drop a bunch of F-bombs or be in a movie. Yeah, that's you and I. But people underestimate how important the family audience is to Bob Iger and to Disney. It's incredibly important. It's the number one thing they try to protect. And so how they're going to do Deadpool rated R in the MCU is going to be a very, very interesting thing to see. But I don't know that they can take the characters they tell parents, hey, parents, Come bring your kids to see Thor and then put Thor in a very filthy, raunchy, R-rated movie. You can't tell your kids because a lot of people, because of stuff that's been in the comic books, a lot of people want to see Deadpool and Spider-Man, right? But if you're Disney, you can't tell families, hey, families, bring your kids. Come on out and see our Spider-Man movie. Come out and see Spider-Man in this Captain America movie. Come see Spider-Man in this Avengers movie. And then put Spider-Man in a filthy, raunchy, really dirty, R-rated Deadpool movie. It's going to be a very interesting not to see how, and clearly they must have ideas. Kevin Feige wouldn't have said anything about it if he didn't already have some idea about how he's going to do it. It's just going to be really interesting to see how they do this. It's going to be really interesting. I'm just happy we're going to get more Deadpool. It doesn't matter to me. All right, Murray Reich writes, I have a portable movie projector. Nice. I've been thinking about that. Ann and I just bought a house and we move in uh, 15 days, 52 weeks tomorrow. We move. I'm very excited. And we've, we're actually going to have a backyard, backyard with a pool, nice view of the mountains and our backyard backs onto a golf course. Actually, we're 20 feet ris- risen above a golf course. It's, it's a beautiful view. It's why we got the house and like $300,000 cheaper than we would have had to spend on a house here in LA. Cause so we're moving about an hour outside of LA, but I've been thinking about getting like a portable movie projector to have outdoor movie nights anyway. Uh, and John, Argo Rodriguez sends in a super chat in the live chat section. Thank you, John. Um, anyway, let me finish reading your question, Murray. Sorry. I got soundtrack there. I have a portable movie projector and sound bar. Uh, The room is 19 feet by 13 feet. I was wondering if I can use anything else to enhance the sound in the room besides the bar, or is it good enough? I'm wondering if a subwoofer, et cetera, will enhance the viewing experience. All right. I am not a home audio and visual expert, but I will tell you my experiences and what I have found. 
sound bars today are so much better than the sound bars were from a couple of years ago. And it also depends on the room you're in. 19 by 13, I don't know. If you're some sound bars alone put out some really good bass. Now I have, I was very lucky, the good folks at JBL. Uh, the folks at JBL who actually gave me these excellent, excellent JBL headphones after I destroyed my other ones after tech. You remember that? Yeah, I got caught on camera. We had a technical problem. I felt so embarrassed. I oh, fuck that. And I threw my my uh, uh, my headphones around. They got destroyed. The destroyed headphones are still on the floor over there. I leave them out as a warning to any of my other technology that may decide to crap out on me. Let those headphones be an example to you. But anyway, JBL was kind enough to send me some new headphones. And they also sent me, um, they sent me this terrific soundbar that does have a subwoofer. The best thing you can do, what in again, I'm no expert. I'm just telling you my experience. And you guys in the live chat, um, if if you have some recommendations, do throw them in here uh, uh, for uh, Murray at the same time. The best thing you can do is sound treat your room. And I would do a couple things. There's a good company called Audi. Uh, I think it's called Audi Mute or Audio Mute. Hold on a second. Um, let me just see if I can find it here. Yes. So there's a good company called uh, Audi. I'm not sponsored by these guys at all. Um, what I would recommend is you go and get. Let me see if I can uh, get some find, get get to the page here. That is what I'm looking for. Yeah. What I would do is. Uh, because I'm getting ready to do this in my new studio uh, because, you know, I'm moving into a new house, so I'm going to have a new studio. I'm going to get a number of these because what these acoustic panels do, the proper ones, is, you know, you get into a room and sound bounces around in a room, right? And that really affects also the sound coming from a TV. It, it, it damages. If you can sound treat your room, and you can do it different ways. You can get these, these panels you can put up there, or you can get, what I do is I have these sound curtains, these sound treated curtains, and I hang, you guys see them, like whenever Rob or Aaron is, are in studio and you see the black curtains behind them, I've got on all three walls these sound curtains that stop there from being reverberating echo in my room. So I would say, if your sound bar sounds really good, you're probably fine. If not, you can go get another sound bar like my JBL one that has a subwoofer with it. But again, I think the biggest thing that's going to make the biggest difference to you in a 19 by 13 room is get four or five proper size, properly treated sound panels and hang them on your walls. I think you're going to find that it makes a world of difference. I think you're going to find it makes a world of difference. Anyway, uh, you're, I'm jealous because I've been thinking about getting one of those projectors too, Murray. Okay, next up. We got Skywalker Ranch dressing rights. During the pandemic, have you had to cope with the fear that we will never get our lives back as we knew it? I don't want to go back uh, to public places if masks will be required for years. The human interactions will not be the same. We want our lives back ASAP. Nah, no, nah, I've never really been worried about that. And listen, I, I go out in public with, I have no problem wearing a mask. I, I honestly, I... Someone's going to have to explain to me why some people have an issue with, with the masks. If the masks is a good, courteous way to tell people I'm concerned about you, I'm thinking about your well-being too. So if I happen to have a virus and I don't even realize it, I want to take extra precaution to try to minimize the risk. Can't eliminate it, but minimize the risk that you'll get it from me. 
I don't know. I have no problem with it. The doctor who performed my surgery had a mask on for a couple of hours and he was able to do surgery on me and I was just fine. And he was just fine. I don't know. But honestly, no. You know, we've got vaccines coming out now. It may take a little bit for them to roll out. I mean, the new presidential administration, and you know, we've got Biden coming in here in a couple of days. He's saying that their priority is going to be a hundred million vaccinations in the first hundred days. Awesome. If they can do it, it may take longer than that, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel. So no, I've, I've never worried about never being able to get back to regular life. And even, even once I get vaccinated, I'll probably still wear my mask when I go out in public for a little while, just to be courteous to people. It's just courtesy, uh, to do it. So yeah, I, no, I, it's not something I've really worried about, Skyrim. And I am desperate to get back to the movie theaters, man. I am so freaking desperate to get back to the movie theaters. It's hard for me to put into words. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, next up, Thomas writes, Hey, John, big fan. Thank you so much, Thomas. Last night, I decided to watch a movie I've not seen in a while. The Mummy with Brendan Fraser. I love Brendan Fraser. By the way, if you like Brendan Fraser too, do check out Doom Patrol. He plays the robot man. He's really fun in it. Anyway, with Brendan Fraser, it's still one of my favorite movies. When was the last time you saw it, and what was your favorite scene? Thanks. Oh, I like that movie, too. It's a lot of fun. I like the first Mummy. When is the last time I've seen it, though? You know what? I think I watched it again shortly after the G.I. Joe movie. The one uh, with uh, Channing Tatum. Not the one with The Rock. The one with Channing Tatum. Because... Brendan Fraser, I think it's the first one that Brendan Fraser pops up in. Is it not? Hold a second. Uh, Brendan Fraser, uh, G.I. Joe. He only has a short cameo in it. Yeah, he plays uh, Sergeant Stone. There, let me just bring this up here. So yeah, there's some pictures of him from the movie, right? I It was shortly after I watched that because I remember when he came on... Um. I was like, man, I haven't seen Brendan Fraser in a while. And shortly after that, I thought, I'm going to go back and watch that mummy movie again. I'm going to go back and watch that mummy movie again. So then I went back. So that was still a number of years ago. It's been a while. It's been a beat since I've seen it, but I enjoyed that movie. I, I don't know if I can remember what I th thought was my favorite scene in the movie, but uh, yeah, that was one I had fun with. I think I saw it two or three times in theaters. And then again, I saw it shortly after seeing GI Joe. Cause I was like, Hey, there's Brendan Fraser. I haven't thought of him forever. And then, to watch it. And again, watch him in Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol is great. Thanks for writing that in, Thomas. All right, next up, we got Murray Reich writes, with all the 2020 movies moving to 2021, and now some of them to late 2021, I know uh, I know we're supposed to be positive for this new year, but it's now but but it's now personally a I will believe it when I see it attitude when it comes to releases. There's no point in Oscars 2021. I agree. There's no, they shouldn't bother doing an Oscars this year. There's no point. It was too much of an abbreviated year. Yes, there were some very good movies that came out, but guess what? You're going to be handing out awards when there was hardly any competition. Make them eligible for next year's awards, but whatever. They're going to do whatever they want, and that's fine. Um, yeah, I don't blame you, man, for adopting a I'll believe it when I see it attitude because how many times have we seen Black Widow get bumped? And it's going to get bumped again. Well, maybe. I, I suspect it's going to get bumped again. Uh, we just saw... Um, what was it we just saw get bumped? I can't remember. 
But we heard, but No Time to Die got is getting bumped. But just before that, oh yeah, Morbius. Uh, we just saw Morbius get bumped. But I understood those because we do have the vaccinations coming, but like March and April is just a little too soon. I think mid to late May at the most optimistic, but I think June, July, I think June, July, you're going to see the theaters completely back open again. I'm not saying I think the pandemic is going to be completely gone, but I think by June, July, if again, uh, they can get a hundred million vaccinations in the first hundred days, which that's a big if we'll see if they're able to pull that off. But I think June, July. So I actually feel more optimistic. I don't feel terribly optimistic for any movies that are supposed to come out in April or May, but I think once you get June, July, August at the outset, I think we'll be pretty good, but man, I cannot blame you at all for taking I'll believe it when I see it attitude. Of course you are. It makes sense. All right. Murray also writes. What are your picks for the NFL divisional weekend if this message gets read before the games start? Well, yes. Uh, I mean, uh, the games don't start for a couple of days. Um, listen, uh, it, it's hard for me to imagine that it's not going to be a Green Bay, Kansas City Super Bowl. Um, and Kansas City probably wins its second Super Bowl in a row. Now, that being said, Buffalo is really impressive this year. Buffalo's really impressive. I don't believe in Jacksonville right now. I don't believe Jacksonville can actually beat the elite teams. So there's that. I think, listen, Tampa Bay under the greatest of all time, Tom Brady, they made it to the playoffs for the first time in over a decade. They won their first playoff game, but I just don't think they have enough weapons to get to the Super Bowl. Now, maybe they can beat the New Orleans Saints. Maybe. But man, that's Drew Brees over there, man. And it's aside from the quarterbacks, New Orleans Saints is just a better team. But again, I think we're looking at Green Bay and Kansas City. I think, uh, oh, did I say Jacksonville? I'm sorry. I meant the Baltimore Ravens. Sorry. Sorry. Did I say Jacksonville? Sorry. I meant, you know, I was, I was thinking of, um, uh, uh, I was thinking of Jackson. Anyway, not Jacksonville. Sorry. The, the, the Baltimore Ravens. My apologies. Uh, I just don't believe they can actually beat. They just beat Tennessee, and that was great, but Tennessee's not an elite team. They're a very good team, but not an elite team. So uh, anyway, that's that's that. All right, but I am looking. Man, last weekend was a fun weekend of football, man. I had three games on Saturday, three games on Sunday. It was great. I wish it was like that every year. Okay, next up, Murray also writes, over under 30% that either next weekend or in the next five years that we will have an NFL wildcard team hosting a conference championship game. Uh, it is possible to have one because you can have both wildcard teams in the same conference if they both make it that far. Mm, that's true. I'd have to sit there and do the whole Rain Man mathematical things about that, but I, I guess that's theoretically true. I'm going to go under 30%. I mean, obviously it's possible that, but that would mean a couple of very unlikely things would have to happen. So I, all I know is that, listen, God bless the Washington football team under the greatest comeback player maybe ever with Alex Smith as their quarterback. God bless them for making the playoffs. But I'm sorry, a seven and nine team 
should not be in the playoffs. And if they have to be in the playoffs, they should not be hosting a playoff game. I don't care if you won your pathetic division. When you're playing a team that won 10 games, that team should have the home field advantage. Just saying. God bless the Washington football team and Alex Smith. Best comeback you know, player maybe of all time. But yeah, that should, that should never happen again. Okay, next up. Uh, Von Doom writes, Recently saw three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. I freaking love that movie. Uh, saw, liked your review. Uh, it is becoming a favorite of mine and think the U.S. can learn a lot from it right now. Seriously, if you guys have not seen three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri, uh, you absolutely must. Hold on, let me just bring this up. Three billboards. Um, it is the movie that won... Um, Frances McDormand, I believe that was her second Academy Award. It got um, uh, Woody Harrelson an Academy Award nomination. It won Sam Rockwell an Academy Award. Sam Rockwell, actually, it's really neat. Sam Rockwell and Woody Harrelson were both nominated for Best Supporting Actor in that movie. It is brilliant. This movie is effing, effing brilliant. It, It really is... It reminds me of The Last of Us 2 a little bit. It's it's a story about how pain, what pain does to people and changes people, even really good people. And it, it's really a story about pain and the anger that that comes and how that anger twists us and changes us and how we deal with it. It is a beautiful, beautiful movie. Oh my God. And it's also very funny in some parts. Uh, Frances McDermott is great. Again, she won an Academy Award for it. If you get a chance to see this movie, just make a chance to see it. It is brilliant. It is a fantastic movie. Do make sure you see it. All right. Uh, and you're right. It is It is a movie everybody in America should watch. It really is. All right. The Million Dollar Man. Everybody's got a price for The Million Dollar Man. Ha! Anyway. Okay, Ted. Uh, well, John Boy. Looks like you're going to be wrong again. My source is telling me that not only is Hamada confirming a plan for Batman Beyond, but is but it's Timothy Chalamet who is campaigning for the Terry McGinnis role. Say, uh, say no, but execs like the property a lot. Uh, well, obviously, that's not true. But listen, I've been saying in the last couple of videos, and Timothy Chalamet will not play, will not do that. No. Anyway. But as you guys know, I've talked about this a little bit in the last uh, couple of videos, which is for at least five years, I've had people telling me, oh, John, they're they should do a Batman Beyond. They're going to do a Batman Beyond. They're going to do a Batman Beyond. They're going to do Batman. And I kept on saying, no, they're not. They're not going to do a Batman Beyond. And I've listed out all the reasons why. And sure enough, they never have. However, what I've been saying recently is there have been two major developments recently. One, of course, is the success of Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. And I said after seeing Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, I don't think this means we're going to get Batman Beyond, but if the door was completely closed on there ever being a live-action Batman Beyond, I think it's just been cracked open a little with Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Two, though, the second thing that's happened has been Walter Hamada came out and said that that whole thing about how we're going to put out four theatrical movies for DC a year. And on top of that, they're going to put out two smaller properties, slightly smaller budget movies straight to HBO max. 
Once he said that, I was like, there's your Batman Beyond. It didn't exist before. There wasn't an avenue for Batman Beyond to ever get made in a live action environment before. I said that for years. Turned out I was right. But now there is an avenue for it. If Walter Hamada is going to do two, that means in three years, and three years goes by goes by quick. In three years, they're looking at doing six slightly lesser known, slightly smaller budget projects to make movies for HBO uh, Max directly and not theatrical. I completely believe that a Batman Beyond is a very real possibility for that. A very, very real possibility for that. The Avenue didn't exist before, but now it exists. It ain't going to be the Timothy Chalamet. I'll tell you that right now. But now it never existed before, but now it does. And so I have gone from saying, no, we're not about, we're not going to get Batman beyond live action. We're not going to get Batman beyond live action. But today, if they, if they actually follow through with making these straight to HBO max DC properties, why not Batman beyond? Why not? This is the perfect Avenue for it. So never thought it was possible before because the Avenue just wasn't there for them to make it a possibility. Now it does. And I think anybody who is a Batman Beyond fan who has been wanting year after year after year in fruitless hope waiting for a Batman Beyond live action thing to happen, now, now I believe is the time to have legitimate optimism that maybe it could happen. I've got no insider sources telling me that, but I just think now is a very, now the circumstances create a very real possibility that they could do it. Anyway, that's just my thoughts on it. All right, next up, Stubble McShave writes, I agree with you on return, the return of Vader in the Kenobi series. Uh, the conversation on, on the Death Star was clearly referencing Mustafar, but they could address the line from Obi-Wan on Tatooine. He's more machine now than man. It was never clear how Obi-Wan knew that. Well, everybody knew that. I mean, that's the thing. You got to remember, Vader became well-known throughout the universe. It took a little while. People didn't know him at first. But when this sudden Dark Lord of the Sith shows up at the Emperor's side and kind of running the show wherever he goes, it becomes very apparent who that is. <laughs> it became very apparent who that is. I mean, listen, something can happen on the other side of the world, and all you need to do is get a call on your cell phone, right? There's no reason to believe that Obi-Wan wouldn't have known that. So, yeah, I think it, I think it's very, very clear that Obi-Wan, Yoda would have... By the way, Thrawn... In the Thrawn books, Thrawn just puts it together. Like, if you guys haven't read, not the Heir to the Empire books, but the more recent canon Thrawn novels, there's a new Thrawn series out uh, revolving around Thrawn. In that those books, Thrawn just was able to put it together. Because Thrawn knew Obi-Wan, or Thrawn knew um, Anakin Skywalker as Anakin. He had encountered Anakin Skywalker before. And like Thrawn just put two and two together in the book. He's like, huh? So this force user that was kind of close with Palpatine and now he disappears, but suddenly there's this other real powerful force user that's working with Palpatine and Thrawn just put two and two together and he just figured it out. So I don't think it would have been very hard for, uh, I don't think it would have been very hard for Obi-Wan to, to put that together. That's just, that's just my thought on that stubble, but who knows? We'll see how they're doing. All I know is that a lot of people are very, very happy that they're going to get, uh, not only Vader in the Obi-Wan series, but it's going to be Hayden Christensen. 
A lot of people very excited about that. Good Canadian kid. All right. Ismail Y writes, hi, John. First time hailing from Belgium. Thank you, sir, for writing in from Belgium. Uh, I would like your opinion on the Expanse show on Prime. I began watching the first episode, but got bored with it. Then I saw your tweet praising season five. So is it worth a watch? Thanks, P.S. Love your show. Thank you so much, Ismail. Well, listen, Expanse was a show that I wasn't watching. And I only started watching it because a lot of our fans, uh, a lot of our viewers started writing in saying, you got to watch Expanse. You got to watch Expanse. And finally, so many people said it, and including Robert Meyer Burnett said to me, yeah, Expanse is really great. You really do need to watch it. So I'm like, all right, fine. I'll give it a shot. And it wasn't on Amazon at the time. It recently changed networks and now it's on Amazon. So I'm like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And yes, the first, like many, many shows, it's once you get to know the characters that it becomes more special. So yeah, first episode, second episode aren't the strongest episodes in the series, but they just start to lay the foundation about this wider universe that they live in. Um, listen, it's all subjective. Just because I love it doesn't mean you're going to love it automatically. You may not, but in my opinion, it's excellent. It's really good, The Expanse. And this season, I think, is my favorite season they've done so far. And we're only about halfway through, I think. Anyway, uh, I would recommend, give it give it four episodes. If it's not for you after four or five episodes, then go, you know what? I gave it a shot. Time for me to use my time to watch some other shows. And that way, you don't have to worry about it. But I I really do think it's that good. So I would say give it a shot and uh, and try it out. Okay, next up. Uh, that was this mail. Next up, the great one writes, Amazon hinted they'll release a tidbit, a tid, tidbit of info on wheel of time show, uh, on Friday, two times earlier, they've released small pieces of info on objects. Showrunner had Q and a with 10 questions at these releases. First time was on production design. Second time was on changes, uh, in, at, uh, in, uh, the adaptation. Okay, I'm not, I don't see a question in there. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I, I have heard mixed things about this Wheel of Time thing they're doing. I've heard mixed things, so I'm not quite... I, I'll say this. I'm not excited for it. That doesn't mean I'm against it. That's not, that doesn't mean that I'm like, huh, they shouldn't bother doing that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I'd be lying to you if I said I was excited at this point because I haven't heard the greatest things I shouldn't, I shouldn't get into too many details about that, but I haven't heard the greatest things about it, but I know a number of, number of my friends are really, really excited for it. So let's see how that all turns out. Thanks for writing that in great one. All right. Next up, we got, um, Parth who sends in like a $50 tip. Thank you, Parth for supporting the channel on that level, man. Seriously, very much appreciate that. And Parth writes, I'm a longtime viewer. Thank you for these streams. It's a great way to tap out. Shut, uh, shout out to my cousin for introducing me to your channel. But you didn't say who your cousin is. I wish you said who your cousin is. Oh, listen, Parth, seriously, thank you, man. It's Listen, it's amazing that people come and hang out with us to talk about movies and TV shows that we love. And that's always great. But that some people like you just want to write in to say, have kind words, just to say kind words. Thank you so much for that Parth, And I'm glad your cousin turned you on to the show. Thank your cousin for me. Since I don't know who the, uh, um, I, I'm, I, uh, 
I don't know who your cousin is because you didn't mention who they are. And uh, let's see what happens. All right. Next up. Thanks again, Parth. Uh, Bojax writes, one of two. Hey, John, I've read all of the canon Thrawn books. Nice. And the reason he works for the Empire is because he believes working with them uh, would keep them from turning their attention to his home work. You probably meant home world. And he believes they would have the best chance against any outside threat to the Chiss because of the resources, manpower, and sense of order are so great within the Empire. I think the I think the Ahsoka series won't be about fighting Thrawn, but a greater threat touched on in one of Thrawn's novels, uh, the the Grisks. Um, I don't know. The Grisk to me is actually the weakest part of the thro- of the Thrawn books. To me, and Quirky Joe saying, "Leave my homework alone, Empire." <laughs> well said, Quirky Joe. Um, to me, the Grisk is actually the weakest part of the Thrawn books. The strength of the Thrawn books is when it's just focusing on Thrawn. In particular, his relationship with three main principal parties. One, Vader. Two, the Emperor. And three, uh, Eli Vanto, who is the Imperial officer that starts working with, a young Imperial officer who kind of starts working with and gets taken under the wing of Thrawn. And... It's, so it's really about Thrawn and his relationships. That's to me when the Thrawn stories sing, when the Thrawn books really, really work. The Grisk, I find them to be a very bad villainous race. I don't know that they'll pursue them in live action. I don't know that. I mean, it's you raise a good point about that. I mean, they are important in the books, but to me, they just don't work. Like the Uzang Vong from the old... Uh, legends books to me they're a more menacing threat a more menacing race that's out there you know what i'm saying uh than the griskar so i i don't know i got a feeling they won't pursue that but it's a very valid observation you make and i'm gonna keep my eye open for that because maybe they will go in that direction i don't think they will but maybe they will it's a great observation that i've kind of overlooked and you may be absolutely right about that okay next up uh secret patreon writes I am not going to write about how Wonder Woman 84 could have, should have, would have, or maybe have made sense. So just put this five bucks towards pool chemicals at Chateau de Campia by Grabthar's Hammer. What a savings. By the way, what a great line, right? One of my favorite delivered uh, lines by uh, by Alan ever. By Grabthar's Hammer, I shall avenge thee. I'll say, let me, let me pull something up here. Um... Uh, so that was from Galaxy Quest. I almost, uh, I almost said uh, um, something I shouldn't have said, but Alan Rickman. I honestly put up now when when people think of Alan Rickman quotes from Galaxy Quest, they'll say, "By Grabthaw's hammer, I shall avenge thee." Right? That's the line. But the line he says in the commercial is better. By Grabthaw's hammer, what a savings. I put that right up there with Yippie Kaye uh, when he says it. And I also put it right up there from Robin Hood when he says, uh, why spoon cousin? Because it'll hurt more. Or you, my rooms, eight o'clock, you, 8.30, and bring a friend. I mean, I put I put by Grabthar's hammer, what a savings. I put it right up there. I put it right up there with it. Anyway, thanks for that secret Patreon. All right, next up. 
Uh, we've got Snake in Woody's Boots. <laughs> There's a snake in my boot, writes. Almost forgot Disney made a dinosaur movie in 2000 called Dinosaur. My favorite movie that James Newton Howard composed. Uh, the dinosaurs are computer animated on a live action background. It looks rough in two scenes, but holds up impressively well. What? That's not the Pixar one. What's the one that Pixar did? Uh Uh, what is the one that Pixar did? Oh, the one I'm thinking of is the good dinosaur. You know what? Nobody talks about the good dinosaur and the good dinosaur might be the second weakest Pixar movie besides one or two of the cars movies, but I didn't mind it. I I, I thought the good dinosaur was charming. Not one of the stronger Pixar movies, uh, at all, but you're talking about, um, what's it called? Dinosaur just called dinosaur. Um, let me see if I can find it here. There's the good, the 2000. Oh, that's the one. I remember this. Okay. The poster made me remember because it was that epic shot where they see the, the, uh, asteroid coming down and hitting, hitting the, uh, the earth and all things. I remember that now. Oh my gosh. I, that, I think I saw it once. I think I saw that movie once. And I think it was partially because I was blown away by the CGI. I mean, for CGI 21 years ago, that was pretty good. That was pretty damn good. But yeah, I, oh, I totally forgot about that movie, man. Thanks for putting that one back on my radar. But yeah, I think the the CGI I know at the time was amazing. It was absolutely phenomenal at the time. And I wouldn't doubt if it still held up today. I mean, maybe not as top notch today, but I bet it probably does still hold up. All right, guys, just got a few minutes left here. So let's get through a few questions more. We've got Man of Tomorrow writes, one of the biggest MCU questions out there is when are the mutants going to show up? Absolutely, that is. But for me, it is. Do you think when they do show up, they will finally be wearing some adaptation of their costumes or will it be more like the Fox universe again? Ah, I don't know. It probably depends on the character. Here's the problem. A lot of the X-Men costumes are great on the comic book page, but would look utterly, utterly ridiculous in live action. Like I know everybody, let me see if I can find this here. Um, Wolverine. Uh, yellow. Okay. Let me see if I can uh, find a good picture here. Okay. This one will do. I know everybody loves the classic Wolverine look, right? The classic Wolverine costume, but this really is one of those examples where this costume looks amazing in animation and amazing in a comic book printed page panel, but would look utterly laughable and ridiculous in live action, especially like the, the black things that come up like that. It would look utterly ridiculous. I just think it would not look good at all. Um, I really did prefer, and not to mention the, the, well, there have been different iterations of Cyclops's cost. There have been some costumes that Cyclops has had at different points that actually wouldn't look bad in live action. But that classic one, just the tight blue spandex, when everything, eh, that one would look kind of really weird too. The classic um, Storm one also, eh. I personally really like what they did with the X-Men. To me, it, it just, with the, like the black costumes and stuff like that, to me, it just made it feel a little bit more real, a little bit more grounded, whatever. But Marvel 
has tried to match costumes. I mean, obviously the Black Panther costume, that's a very easy one to make look great in live action. I mean, that one translates well. They did they did a lot of adaptation on the Captain America costume to make it look really good. But they seem to like to do that. So my guess is, um, it's just a guess. My guess is when they do bring in the X-Men three years from now, my guess is they will try to, you know, at least somewhat adapt the comic book costumes and bring them into the movie. I think they're going to do it. I don't know if they should, but I think they will. So yeah, take that. All right. Next up, uh, Chloe Fanning writes with films like the Omen and Poltergeist rumored to be cursed along with movie scripts, such as, uh, at tuck. I'm not familiar with that one. Supposedly taking the lives of stars, such as Don, John Belushi, John Candy, and Chris Farley, among other actors. What are your thoughts on the subject? Oh, obviously it's ridiculous. Obviously, it's ridiculous. Listen, John Candy, great Canadian kid, one of the truly great performers of all time, and really, from all accounts, a wonderful human being. He, the shape he kept himself in made him not long for this world. I I don't like saying that, but was anybody surprised that the former part owner of the Toronto Argonauts. Yes. John Candy used to be a part owner of the CFL Toronto Argonauts football team, uh, that he, he owned with, uh, I think Wayne Gretzky was one of the owners too. And Bruce McNall anyway, um, nobody was surprised when he passed away. Um, John Belushi was a dude who lived very hard and I'm not blaming John Candy. I'm not blaming John Belushi, but I'm just saying John Belushi lived very hard, lived very, very hard. And while it was a tragedy that he passed away, I don't think a lot of people at the time were all that surprised that he passed away. Um, and Chris Farley, that dude was really unhealthy. He was very, very, very unhealthy. And so I don't think we have to look for any mystical connections to the passing away of greats like John Belushi, uh, John Candy, Chris Farley. We don't have to look for some mystical reason. It's pretty obvious what, what happened to all three of them and not a huge surprise, unfortunately. So no, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give any uh, credence to that whatsoever, Chloe. All right. Next up, uh, Oscar L writes. Hey, John, uh, the Super Bowl is next month. Yes, it is. And I'm always looking forward to the halftime show. So just out of curiosity, do you have a favorite or favorites? Thanks. Well, obviously, my favorite halftime show ever was the U2 one. Uh, it was after 9-11. Um, and U2 is my all-time favorite band. And when they brought down those those huge, um, not curtains, but but banners, they dropped the huge banners, banners and then they used the banners as a projection screen to have all the, the names of all the victims of nine 11 went up. It was powerful. That was really, really powerful. Um, another one. I really, I mean, I liked the Beyonce halftime show too. That was really good. The Beyonce halftime show was great. There've been a lot of really good. I like the Tom Petty one. Um, there've been a lot of good ones, uh, this year. I think who's they got the weekend this year. Is that what it is? Is it the weekend? Um, I think is this year, but, uh, 
but whatever. Yeah, but the U2 one is my favorite. Oh, oh, oh by the way, uh, Questin Watts in the live chat also remind Prince. Prince was a really good one too. Um, and what's what's her name? Katy Perry. I like. I mean, everybody jokes about the the shark thing. Yes, the Katy Perry halftime show was really good. I thought the Katy Perry halftime show was really good, but that that's just me. So yes, I get a kick out of the halftime shows. All right, next up, Aaron E writes. Hey, John and Rob. Rob is not here right now, obviously. I finally saw Tenet, and thank God it finally dropped in uh, in price to rent. I did not understand it for the most part, a lot less than I did Interstellar. Do you think Chris Nolan tries to outdo himself when it comes to complicated plots? No, I don't think he tries to outdo himself in complicated plots. I do think, though, he needs to take a step back sometime and understand that... Your job as a director is not just to tell a great story, but to tell it well. It's not just to tell a great story, but to tell it well. And I feel like with Tenant, he lost sight of that a little bit. I also think he lost sight of that a little bit with Inception. I, I'll be honest with you. I know a lot of people, not, not Inception, I'm sorry, Interstellar. Um, I know a lot of people love Interstellar. It's not one of my favorite Christopher Nolan films. And while the body of the film is wonderful, like what he's going for, the story, the narrative is wonderful. I, I feel like it was a movie where Christopher Nolan lost, was so focused on telling this intricate and amazing story that he forgot to tell it well. And the telling of the story is that bridge between the filmmaker and the audience. And I definitely felt a bit of that gap in um in tenant partly because there were so many scenes i had no idea what was being said because the audio mixing was terrible i can't wait to watch it again with subtitles i because i still like tenant i like tenant but i can't wait to watch it with subtitles so i can you know understand more of what was being said in it that's just my thought all right next up uh sam writes i know you don't buy physical media but you have uh but you have any exceptions for certain films for me i like to keep it very small preferably a steel book and only for my all-time favorites my prize steel book is the jaws when it first was released in blu-ray in 2012 that's a nice one you know the, the the only times i make an exception and actually buy a piece of physical media and i basically stopped buying physical media six seven years ago maybe eight years ago um i just like having uh, I pop open my my phone and I open my Google Play store and my or my YouTube videos because you can watch your Google Play movies also on YouTube if you want. But I just like opening it up and diving in there and seeing um, um, what you call it, just seeing my entire library right there. And not only is my entire library there and taking up no space in my home, but also meaning if I'm on a plane, I can watch my entire movie library. If I'm up at the Campia Ranch up in Canada, I can watch my entire movie library. I don't have to bring it along with me. If I'm sitting in an airport waiting for a flight, I can watch my entire movie library. I don't have to wait for anything. I don't have to get home and get my physical copy, which can get damaged or lost or borrowed and all this kind of stuff. I I am a digital streaming guy. I'm not a physical media guy. Rob is though. Rob is very much. But that being said, 
in the last number of years, when I've been at like a Best Buy or some store like that, and then I come across a bargain bin and I look in it and go like, wait a minute, is that a copy of Best of the Best with Eric Roberts and James Earl Jones? And it's $3? When that stuff happens, I will admit in the past five years or so, I have I might have picked up a couple of discs that way. I don't know why, but I do. But other than that, that's really the only time I do that. It's really the only time I do that. Um, so yeah, that's my take on that. Anyway, thanks for writing that in, Sam. All right, next up, uh, Andy Hong writes, I'm so excited. Uh, John McCain a biopic is actually in the works. Is it really? Uh, not to get political, but there is no better time for such a film to be made about his service to his country, especially uh, considering the horrible incident at the Capitol. True. And again, I, I don't want to get political either. But listen, I, I will say this and please just take this in the spirit in which it's it meant. OK, I'm not I don't I'm not trying to get political here at all. But John McCain was a great example to me of somebody that when the presidential election was happening that he was involved in, I personally at the time was supporting the other guy, but I was in the, I was kind of of in a place of, but Hey, if John McCain wins, that's cool too. Because while I don't believe, while I don't agree with everything he does policy wise, He's a good man who has served his country his whole life in the military, in government. He spent his life dedicated to public service. He served his country in the military. He raised a wonderful family. Uh, He's humble. He's just a good person. And I just remember thinking, yeah, I want this other guy to win. But if he wins, that's totally cool, too. Even though I've got some differences of opinion with him on some things, he was just that kind of guy. And like... When he died and you saw the, everybody respected him, like people on the left respected him, people on the right respected him. He was just that type of a figure. And uh, yeah, I would very, very much be into seeing a biopic about him, to be honest with you. I I certainly prefer to see biopics about people like that than I would about musicians, but eh, that's just me. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Last one we'll do today, guys, and then we've run out of time. Comes to us from an anonymous viewer who writes in, Hey, John and Rob. Rob is obviously not here on Thursdays. Long-time listener. Well, thank you so much for that. My friends and I listen to your show, uh, so I'm going to go anonymous on this one. Oh, so you did anonymous on purpose. So I'm going to go anonymous on this one, LOL. My girlfriend of six months hates movies. I've tried showing her different genres, but she's always bored or on her phone. I need your advice. Whoa. Dude, I, I, I don't think I've got a magic bullet here that's going to fix your problem. Now, listen, you got to understand, you are talking to a guy. Um, you are talking to a guy that the issue of movies in my life is so important that when I met my soulmate, the woman of my dreams, my wife, Ann Campia, when I met her, And some of you have heard this story. Maybe some of you haven't, but this is a totally true story. When I met her and we started dating and when we got to the point where I was really starting to realize, because when I started dating her, I'll be honest with you. It was just, I thought we were just going to hang out and have fun for like a few weeks or a month or whatever. But as I started realizing I'm crazy about this girl, when I started realizing I am crazy about this girl, 
And it started to get more serious a few months into the relationship. It came up that Anne had never seen Star Wars. To which I had to say, time out. This, whatever this is, is good and great and everything. But this, our relationship, has to be put on hold for a moment until we sit down and have you watch Star Wars. And by Star Wars, of course, I mean New Hope, Empire, Return of the Jedi. That's Star Wars. Don't mean to open up a whole new debate. And depending on how that goes, we may need to evaluate where this goes from here. And I know it sounds pathetic, and I know it sounds very, very shallow, but I was dead serious. It's like, I, I, it's just such, listen, movies is such, it's not just my job. It's movies is my job because it's, they're so important to me. I, the art is just so important to me that I just didn't know that I could be with somebody that wasn't, and I knew Anne was into movies already. So I don't know, maybe I, maybe we still would have been good if she didn't like Star Wars. Cause I already knew she really liked movies, but I don't know that I would have, I could have carried on with my relationship with Anne if she wasn't into movies. So you're asking the wrong guy, dude. If you're asking me to give you some advice on how to make, and by, listen, the one bit of advice I will give you is this, be with somebody because you already truly appreciate who they are. Don't be with somebody for who you think you can turn them into. All right, let me say that again. Be with somebody because you already appreciate flaws and all, you already appreciate who they are. Don't be with somebody for who you think you can turn them into. And hey, listen, for most people, whether somebody likes movies or not is not a deal breaker. For me, it's a deal breaker. But for you, it may not be. And if it's not a deal breaker for you, don't make it a deal breaker, right? If she's the right, if she's good for you, man, you you do that. You know, you you invest in that relationship. Don't worry about it. But again, be with somebody because you already appreciate who they are, flaws and all. Don't be with somebody for who you think you can turn them into. It's very, very, very solid piece of advice there. All right, guys, listen. There are still more questions to come. We've got uh, another anonymous. We got Javier Olivia. We got Ted. We've got Dakota and more. Do not worry, guys. We will get to your questions. We will start off everything. When we get to the live questions part of the show tomorrow, we will start off with your questions. You sent them in. They're going to get answered properly on the show. And we are finally starting to get caught up. Did you notice that? We're finally starting to get caught up. We're almost all the way there. Hopefully by the end of tomorrow's show, we're going to be completely 100% caught up. Anyway, guys, that will do it for today's installment of the John Campion Show. Thank you so much for being here and making this show a part of your day. Special thank you to all of you guys who sent in those live questions because number one, you gave us great fun things to talk about, but number two, you supported this channel while you did it. Also, one more time reminding you guys, if you haven't done so already, take a second and click on that subscribe button, become a subscriber to our YouTube channel. It'll keep you up to date on all the things that we've got going on around here. All right, guys, remember, do the four main things. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and please take care of the people around you. That'll do it for me for now, guys. Thanks a lot for being here. My name is John Campia, and until next time, my friends. Bye-bye.